Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Culture Captures Spotlight Podcast. I'm Joe, and today I'm being joined with Multi Mars. Yes, sir. What's good? Um, yeah, again, thank you, bro, for uh, t- joining us today. Um, kind of blessing the listeners. Uh, you're the first photographer, videographer we've had uh, on the show. So it's going to be it's dope that we can finally like introduce this in a cool way with you, um, Chicago style. Hell yeah, I'm excited. I'm, uh, I'm honestly a very a big uh, connoisseur of podcasts. That's how I really fill all my downtime. I really don't ever watch TV. I indulge in video games uh, a little bit, and uh, otherwise all my dead air is for the podcast. So um, I love listening, and I've done a couple. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, thanks, bro. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be dope. And like for those obviously who don't get the memo, um, just kind of give a little bit of background about like who you are and like what you do now and currently. Yeah, so my name is Matt Marzel. I'm uh, Multi Mars on Instagram and anything else where I can get that username. It's usually that, and uh, that's uh, that's kind of uh, you know that's how I can be found. I'm a, I'm a photographer, and I've dabbled in video, and I've dabbled with directing, and uh, opportunities have presented themselves all over the place in my life, and I've never sh- shied away from anything. Um, like I said, photography is what got my uh, foot in the door with uh, everything I do from fashion to kind of, I'm, I'm really involved in music industry to at this point, like pretty heavily, uh, just due to connections and clientele lists. And, uh, you know, that's kind of my bread and butter right now is music photography, following around artists, specifically Gucci Mane. I'm, I've been doing stuff with him for five years. Anytime he hits the road, I got a tour coming up here next month. So, you know, it consumes a lot of my time. Let's let's start talking there with tour. Um, We're going to dive into like a lot of the music stuff that you do um, like later on in the interview. But um, let's kind of start on a bang with tour stuff. And like, what does it what does tour look like for you in terms of like how hectic it can get and just, you know, the craziness of it all? You know, tour looks like for me way different than your average person. in this industry, I haven't even, I can honestly say I haven't really even experienced tour the way a lot of people have as far as, I, I, you know, I, I got enough connections where I've popped into concerts all over the place and I know artists and, and I know how they move and, I, and I've been on tour buses and I've, you know, gone from city to city a few times. But I've never, like, been on an actual full tour with the artist, honestly, and uh, I'm with... Uh, I'm with Gucci Mane late in his career. He's a well-established. He moves. He moves different than these artists. So, tour for me is uh, uh, it's still it's still hectic. It's still no sleep. It's still all of that. But I, I've never been on a tour bus and hit the whole country. You know, we we fly commercial everywhere we go. I rack up airline miles like it's my job. And and every it's a different city every day. It's a, it's. It's a show at night. It's the earliest flight out. It's grab the rental car, get the hotel. And, you know, I'm almost uh, on the ground. I'm a part, I'm basically Gucci's personal assistant and, and I assist the security team everywhere we go in terms of uh, logistics. You know, we gotta, everywhere we go has gotta be surgical when you're with these professionals. Like there's no, you know, there, there's not a lot of messing around. Honestly, my job is to get to a city, get get a, get an Escalade and, 
get to the airport when he lands and then we head to the hotel and you know i've already got all that prepared when we get there too and i work hand in hand with our tour manager it's a real it's a real team effort it's more than like just fun and games you know when you're working with these professionals you really got to be uh surgical you know you don't even know where i'm at honestly from my social media you know I don't post where I'm at until the next day, A, for security reasons, and B, um, I'm moving around so much that sometimes I don't even bust open Instagram for a day, and next thing you know, I was in Houston yesterday, I'm in Miami today, and nobody even knew that I took all these flights. Right. And it's like, I don't know, does it bother you that you can't post? Like, do you have, obviously, I think you're probably at a point now where it doesn't really affect what you do and affect you, but was there ever a point in your career where it's like when you first started with this stuff that that would kind of occur? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you worded that very well because uh, that's honestly just how it is. Like at this point in my life, I don't care. I don't, it's not all that anymore, but you know why? Because there's a trade-off between exposure and money. And and when your life is all about, getting exposure and you need and you need people to know what you're doing you need people to know where you're at you need people to know you're working honestly you need brands and artists to know that you're working nobody wants to nobody wants to work with someone who doesn't ever work so that stuff is important but then there eventually becomes a trade-off where you know you you put in the time and you get the exposure and then the money is going to come and and i get paid every day that i'm on the road so i don't really i don't really worry about showing uh, where i'm at or looking for work because i don't need it when i'm on the road i already got a job that day and uh that's my priority and and you got to make sure your priorities are straight before you can you know get you know priorities gotta be straight before the money comes in honestly so uh at that point i'm i'm you know where i'm past the point where the priorities are now money so Right. And like, how, how did you get your start? So like, obviously you're doing all this stuff with Gucci Mane and like, you're a traveling photographer, like five cities in five days kind of guy. But like, what, like, where did you first start out? And like, how did you know you were going to get into photography? Um, I've always been into, I've always been in fashion and sneakers. I'm saying I've, I've always been just obsessed with culture and music and all that. I, I spent most of my time in college perusing Tumblr and making Facebook groups and 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 cultivating uh, cultivating whole Facebook groups. Honestly, it was all centered around sneakers at that time. But um, I was in college majoring in criminology and political science, so it had nothing to do with anything. I was going to go on to law school, but then I was honestly burnt out on school. Um, I did, I did track and field in college that consumed up most of my time anyway. So like academics was, uh, unfortunately academics was kind of always like secondary to whether it was sports or hobbies for me. And, and, uh, straight out of college through some connections, I got a job dealing with social media because a company, a, a guy at an investment firm that I, that I knew via social media saw what I, had gone and liked it and wanted to incorporate it into his investment firm. And I worked in their marketing department and that was the first time I picked up a camera because, um, having to do real estate photography and, and, but you know, my passion was, my passion was like on, on Tumblr, honestly, seeing photos of like cool stuff and lifestyle photography and being like, eventually I was like, wow, you know, I, I can make these images. I don't have to just consume them. Like I could be making my own content. This was pre Instagram. So, 
you know, it wasn't just a no brainer to be like, take photos of your own stuff. It was all about reblogging stuff. So when the time came that I got some professional equipment in my hand, I was like, shit, I got all the Jordans and stuff like that. Well, I should be, you know, taking pictures of my kicks in the city and, and, and that's kind of just snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, and is that how you a, got a better? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, that's how, you know, I got a better camera and content got better and people started to notice and gigs started to come in that way, freelance-wise. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to continue on going to school if I'm getting paychecks already. I was, you know, straight out of college. It was, it was the first time I was ever getting paid, honestly, because I, I really never had jobs in college. Like I said, I did sports. I didn't have time for time for work. That was kind of the trade-off was, you know, do, do sports. And my parents were like, you don't, need to, you don't need to hold down a college job if you're holding down college scholarships. So that's what it was. And like when college, you so you were a whole college athlete all four years? Uh, all, yeah, all four years. Um, I went to the University of Northern Iowa my freshman year. And then I transferred out of there to go to UIC, and uh, I did track and field. So, but UIC is right here in the city. So, mm-hmm. I was I was in Chicago ever since my sophomore year in college. And I, I'm from about an hour away from the city. It's it's I almost feels like cheating to call it a suburb because it's so far. Uh, it's up on the Illinois Wisconsin border, but it's you know it's part of the suburbs. Yeah, I mean it's in Illinois too. I mean, um, right. you know, you're talking to a guy who's not from <laughs> from yeah. you know. Chicago, sure. and Illinois. So, sure. I mean, how like Boston works, it's all towns. It's like, you know, we call Boston a town. So it's just yeah, like right. the whole suburb thing to me is like. It, but it, shit, the size of Massachusetts, like, yeah. I, you, I think you might be able to drive across Massachusetts just to get my, to my town from here. Yeah, most likely. So, you can put half a mass in Chicago. So, right. um, but in like, in terms of you being in college and trying to like kind of dabble, like, with photography at that time like how how hard was it to find the time and even like put the effort in um like on a personal level just because it's like you're doing sports in school and like all those like in-person commitments yeah but it kind of uh i mean it was really all about sneakers for me and sports and sneakers goes kind of hand in hand you know Mm -hmm. i was uh, i know i know it was track and field but i was I was getting, I had the coolest cleats and spikes and it was all, but we were sponsored by Adidas, but I was a huge Nike head and I wore Nike Flyknit uh, runners and stuff to practice. And then, you know, I wore Jordans and stuff on the, on the buses and when, when we flew places, like it was a division one program. So we got to, you know, I got to, to be in the airport with your, with your, you know, university warm ups on. And then, you know, I always focus on like what sneakers am I bringing and, and, uh, it, it kind of just snowballed from there. And specifically, you want to know how sneakers snowballs snowballs into something like this, RSGP Gallery. Uh, when it, you know, I've always been going there ever since I was in college. And oh, shit, I can't even... You know, I've been going there since that store. Not first started, but I definitely remember, like, Air Easy 2s back in the day and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's always been about that. And then I started doing content for them and, and getting to know all the employees. And they eventually gave me a Beats by Dre gig. They subcontracted their whole Beats by Dre influencer gig. Like RCP Gallery as an entity was an influencer for Beats by Dre and they, they subcontracted it to me and, and that was an open window to go shoot any concert in the city. Like I went to, I would just hit up clubs or they would hit up clubs for me. Honestly, the Beats by Dre influencer team would be like, 
Paris Club was like, Snoop Dogg's in there tonight. Can we get this photographer in to, to take photos of Snoop Dogg? And it was just green lighted everywhere I went. So uh, it was kind of my start to being like rappers and stuff, honestly. And that's not, you know, like I said, that's, even though I'm doing this, it's not by accident. That's been my favorite genre of music. I've been obsessed with Lil Wayne since I was, uh, you know, too young to listen to it. You know, I'm from, I'm from rural white, uh, Richmond, Illinois, and and uh, I was obsessed with Lil Wayne. I was even class president in high school, and I put uh, I put the Carter Three lyrics on the back of our senior T-shirts um, <laughs> one year. So I was, you know, always about it. It's super cool, and like you know, in addition to RS, uh, RSVP, like you've worked with numerous of the Chicago like professional sports teams: the Fire, the Bears, the White Sox. Um, by missing one there, the Bulls. Yeah, I mean you you've you've worked yeah, with so many other other like stores as well in Chicago. And like, how how did you? Was it really through kind of like OG like you could almost say like OG social media days with like Tumblr and Instagram? Is that how you were able to kind of make your way in the door with some of these places and some of these connections you built over the years? Yeah, like definitely OG Instagram. Like back when influencers was such a thing that Instagram was pushing like pre being bought by Facebook, like literally Instagram, uh, like their app page, their official page. I personally never got featured, but creators are getting featured like crazy. And a lot of Chicago, it would, it would make your Instagram following go up to hundred K like easy. Cause you know, they have, they have tens of millions of followers, uh, at, at the time they probably got even more now. I don't know if they touch a hundred million, but, um, you know, it was a huge way to blow up. Um, it never happened to me, but it happened to, ton of people in chicago and a ton of people i associated with and it, everyone kind of everyone it was a real community for a minute of, of photographers in chicago there's meetups all the time there's social media uh, uh haven and i don't know if it just got a little corny or if i grew out of it or or what uh but it just i don't feel like it really exists here anymore like the, honestly shit got illegal too like it used to be we used to be breaking into places and going up on rooftops you know the when you'd hang your feet off the side of skyscrapers for sneaker picks, like that was a, that was a whole movement for a minute, and, and I had seekers and was down to get on these rooftops. So um, it, it led to like growth and notice in the city, and and uh, it was a way to it was a way to talk to these stores, honestly, because it wasn't so uh, widespread like how how it all is now, like. I don't know. You, good luck finding someone who doesn't know what a Yeezy is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, given, given the Adidas success and and the shoes are so readily available, but for a minute, like, it wasn't such a thing. Like, you'd I, I used to go to a sneaker con and like, I feel like how many years ago? Five, six plus years ago. That I don't know if that looked. That was just like crazy. Like you're going to a convention for sneakers. Yeah. Like people didn't people didn't get it. Yeah, no. I mean, I I was a shoe head too, bro. And like growing up, like um, I I was like reselling shoes in Facebook groups at like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like watching all the Nice Kicks videos and like the same. I never went to those like early sneaker cons. I've actually never been to a sneaker con, unfortunately. But like it's kind of dead now. I think like that's the sneaker culture also that like 
was so rich in like 2012 to 15 it was it was so different and i think nowadays it's like it's the mainstream like sneakers have kind of swallowed up sneaker culture because it was like so big and so hot like everyone kind of wanted a piece of it you know everyone right. to the cons- from right. the consumers to the sellers and like it, it's right. just a monetary incentive everyone is like oh wait so it's not just about sneakers it's also about you can get some money and i think people who weren't in it for sneakers hopped on board and it's just a domino effect of of what it is now i mean you see Um, you see brand like not like i don't mean this in any way of taking shots at brands of course but it's like you see brands releasing shoes like retros every week like when did that that didn't happen 10 years ago right you know like they didn't make make random colorways 10 years ago you know and like that that's like that shows you right there of just like there's a huge demand for for the sneaker market and uh it's a huge game now that like i think it's just so big that like people faded out of it and like you know that i think in turn but it, got of- an- it got annoying for real collectors too i it's mm-hmm. annoying for me luckily i have a fucking fat collection that i'm sitting on forever and i got like you said shoes are coming back out all the time well i already got them from when they last came out so i get to chill but like Yo, ask me if I won a goddamn. Ask me if I won a sneakers raffle ever in my life. Not, not freaking once. Yeah. No. So you know, it gets yeah, it gets it gets annoying. Honestly, like I can't get what I want anymore because all these people who are gonna flip them real quick, and I just got some. I don't, you know, what. I don't know. And you're, you're. I'm into. If you know anything about fashion, too, like. Shit, why would I, I, there's $800 shoes out there. Why would I pay $800 for a $200 shoe? Like right. When a Jordan, you know, when a Travis Scott Jordan costs 800, I'm like, yo, that's a $200 shoe though. That, that, and Nike invested way less than that. And now I'm going to invest this into that. Like I'll buy a pair of Louis Vuitton sneakers. Fuck waiting in line. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I totally get it. And it's just like, it's crazy to see how like even saturated collabs have become too. Like, I feel like you just see the same collabs too from the big brands. It's like, yo, there's so many other creative minds that they could utilize that they just don't. Right. Know. It's like, what can what can we slap a a colorway on? I mean, try give you know give it to them, Travis Scott and Virgil. Like, they mix up their they are the same collaborators over and over again, but they mix up their designs. Whereas, like, I mean, I'm again, I'm not trying to throw shots here, but I don't got any of the shoes. But like, uh, like Clot just did a. Sakai, well, it's the same exact color as their Air Max. It's like they just, or, or like DJ Clark Kent, uh, you know, just does the same colorway on a bunch of stuff. And that's cool to create a collection, but like, you eventually it's got to stop. And it, with DJ Clark Kent, you see it did. He didn't, you know, they're on to whoever the next hottest collaborator is. But like, the just recycling of colorways is like, uh, I see through the scam personally. So right. And I, it's I like when you trace like the OG Jordans back, right? Like we're talking about the retro series. Like even that dies out at a certain point too. Like when it died out at like the, like you call it the OGs, you know, like at the 15, 14 kind of cut off, you know, like right. it all, like there's, there's so it's like, it's just kind of history does repeat itself. And like, again, I, like when you're talking about how sports and, and everything kind of like, crosses and correlates like it's totally true because like i was a huge sport head going up and like that's what everyone kind of pegged me to do too was like to do sports interviews but i like really liked this stuff instead and like really wanted to kind of do the music thing and like music goes hand in hand with it too it's like what are you doing before a game or what are you doing in the car on the way to go to the 
get the shoes like you got music on you know what i mean like or like right. artists are working on the shoes or they're wearing them in their videos or their cool photo shoots or whatever so right, right, it's right. like that correlation is all there and like you know even with the photos and stuff it's like you know back in the day like when again like with shoes when the original stuff it's like that stuff was all done by like kind of really well designed and like high thought out and creative photo shoots you know and it's like they didn't have social media to like and other pages to like replicate it and put it out there 20 times over like they had one chance to kind of like get everyone's attention um with photos so it's like it all it, everything all ties together and i think that's like i mean it's cool that you brought that up early on in this and like um to keep talking about like the sneaker stuff a little bit more what is something that like people listening might not kind of like understand is really difficult about shooting for a store like doing product like just shoot like shoe shooting and stuff um hmm. you know i honestly something i even am uh i guess a victim or a culprit of and uh i don't this goes for beyond shoes too this goes more you know subject photography so like a shoe a person an outfit or something like that so like used to be like i said there used to be like a shock value to to a photo and and that equaled followers and and all that like i said uh you know rooftop legs hanging over sneakers like i don't really i don't really dig that vibe anymore honestly i i I really i dig focusing on your subject i dig you know the minimalist aspect like i i I really try to not give my photos like a geological location like i really like it to seem like it could be anywhere um and that's i think one of the harder things to do with street if you're gonna you know because there's a reality to uh, you know everything costs money like you want you want your photo shoots come out best then you better invest in a space get on pure space, rent something out and, and come up with a good location. I, I just think that works. It makes your photos more timeless for your own life. Looking at your own timeline. Otherwise, otherwise everything's got a Chicago skyline in the background of it. And, and you move on from Chicago and, and, and but you can't, your content doesn't. So I think there's, I, I think there's a lot of value in, um, you know the space around your photo beyond the subject like subject comes first make sure you know there's technical rules to uh, to everything uh, uh when shooting but uh beyond that i i like to look beyond and in in, at the photo and like and keep does it live on you know beyond beyond this moment in time yeah that's hard man and like um to kind of transition into the music industry stuff and how you got your your foot in the door there would you you kind of were saying it was through the sneaker stores and just being able to meet people yeah a hundred percent um through these stores and meeting people and and it's just a snowball effect of meeting creatives and then um the the boss that i had at this real estate job he was a real he was a real facilitator uh, in my life and in the Chicago scene at the time. And he, uh, he introduced me straight up to Rocky Fresh. Uh, you know, me and Rocky are the same age. And I was popping off with photography. And, and he was at a time when his, uh, you know, he needed a spotlight on what he was up to. Uh, uh, and I was there to offer my services. And we were, we became really tight homies. And I went 
you know, yeah, I got all these gigs in Chicago, right? All, uh, it, I had an open pass to go shoot something. You don't meet an artist doing that, though. You ain't going to get in the artist's ear when they're hosting at a club. You ain't going to chop it up. So, that you know, that, that got me content, but that didn't give me relationships like the way of when I was moving around with Rocky and everywhere we would go, at, you know. I'm in these trailers with them. I'm in green rooms with them, and and it was a it was a crazy way to meet people. Like we're hanging out with Rick Ross like three times a month, and Rick Ross has got me on a first name basis because he sees us all the time. So, you know, he re- I really lucked out with with the people I knew and people I got to move around with. Yeah, and Rocky, like just knowing him from a little bit of personal experience, is a good dude. And like in terms of Chicago, like. He's going to hold you down. Um, right. And, like, right. just in music, you know, with music industry stuff, like, that dude's got really, really dope stories and experiences. Right. And like, he's been doing it. He's been doing it for a long time here in Chicago. He's a, he's an OG to a lot of this new wave, and, and he's really never he's really never wronged anyone. So, he's, you know, the bridges aren't burned. That's a big thing in the music industry. These artists are sensitive and, and burn bridges. And, like, you got to watch who you want to – you want to? You can't just go up to artists and be like, "I'm homies with Bobar," you know. Like, I'm 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 with Tory Lanez, blah, blah blah. It's like you don't know these artists don't fuck with each other. You're about to say, "I know this person from this person," and be like, "Well, I think that person's a fucking goofy." Why are they? So you got to watch yourself. But you know, a guy like Rocky is established OG in Chicago, and like I said, he's a good guy. He's never like wronged anyone. The bridges aren't burned, so you know he's a solid one to rely on through through my uh, journey. And, like, with your journey, how did it get to Gucci Mane? And, like, how did that first day go with, like, you meeting him and you kind of, like, going into what you do now? Yeah, uh, well, let me, let's rewind. And how did I even get to Gucci Mane? Um, back to Rocky. I was, at, we, were on a, we were at a Rick Ross music video, and the guy who wrote Gucci's autobiography, like the, you know, the ghostwriter, you know, co-author to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote Gucci Mane's book. He's in the trailer pitching Ross that he wants to write his book, which is, you know, years later. That shit came out like last year and they're on their third book um, now. He's a, I owe that guy a lot. His name is Neil, uh, Neil Martinez Belkin and he's wrote these books. Um, so I met him with Rocky, Rick Ross music video. Blah, 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 that happens. Months later, I don't even know how many months later, it might even be a year later, Gucci tweets, who wants to be the first 1017 photographer, uh, hit, hit my email and he tweeted out an email. He's got 10 million Twitter followers, so that email address exploded, I'm sure, and, and, and you know, I got like a, a response delivery saying like failed to deliver inbox full. So um, I hit dude, I hit the author and I was like, yo, Gucci just said he's looking for a photographer. Like, can you send my stuff to his manager? And he did straight up. He, he's like, hell yeah, let me send your shit to the manager. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how the story starts. And uh, um, I actually wasn't even the first option. Um, there was another photographer who the label put with him and um didn't you know it didn't didn't work out whether it's scheduling or you know who knows you know but like i said artists are they have a particular plus it's their image like they don't like the way that their image is being portrayed you're out of a job that quick like on to the next one so i came in and i've been working with gucci ever since and that was um that was 
April of 2017. And like, yeah, since obviously you've been you've been hand in hand with him, assuming with the label that he's doing 1017 and yeah, uh, yeah. working with Pooh and uh, all those artists and Big yeah, Thirty. And, 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 you know, he had a prior label to that too. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's reinvent he's reinvented 1017 a few times. But, yeah, right. You know, every time I'm I'm the I'm working with the boss every time, so it's like a quick open relationship with with these artists that he works with so um you know young mall hoodrich pablo Juan, asian doll like i've been i've moved around with all those artists because of gucci and then as of his latest thing you know pushaisi fujiano uh and, and all his newer artists big scar big walk dog um enchanting and Hotboy west like i get to work with them all i was moving around with Pooh for a little bit though I mean I fucking love Pusha I love love his music love everything trying to get his situation back on track can you provide an update on his situation or is that something you can't do I mean there's really nothing to say that's not on the internet it's all just on ice until the hearing you know mm-hmm. he's uh you know he got in a little trouble on while being out on bond in the same county that he was already out on bond so he's just all revoked until this trial so uh, but nothing's happened with the trial they're you know they're they're being strategic they gotta let you know stuff cool down they gotta let media cool down and then they're gonna take it to trial and try to try to get everything situated but you know otherwise right now it's all it's all out there on the internet yeah. because nothing's happened because we, nothing's happened yet you know so. and we can yeah we can leave it at that i don't want to like i don't want to bring up stuff that you know has that's already like been said about that situation and uh, right, for sure. and in terms of like working just with the label in general and like you've seen other like what's it been like to see a label go through revamps and and see an artist really put out a homegrown like label time and time again and help different people put get it put on I mean, it's really cool to see these artists come from, you know, where they come from and then become, you know, big, you know, make make all their dreams come true, get tons of money and become successful in the music industry. Like seeing, seeing Pooh Shiesty, uh, you know, at age 19, you know, him and all his homies, like just to see him glow up was, it's just so fucking cool. It's so cool to see him, see someone glow up, honestly, for lack of a better term, but uh, it's just a cool experience to be like, you feel like emotionally invested. Like I'm emotionally invested in these success of these artists. Like I've been, I, I, I was showing people back in blood from the day, the first moment I heard that shit, I was like, this song is going to be fucking huge, bro. Yeah. This song is going to be nuts. And, and, and then it did. Well, and I, just with back in blood for a second too, because I know some of the, the no more heroes people on the like half the side of that with Dirk. So it's just like you know that that song just had a ton of people behind it too. And like, what was it like to see like you know instantly hearing that, knowing it was going to be huge, and like it's still like I still hear that song today. You know, like I still hear um, people bumping it. You know, I mean, I don't know, uh, I don't know if everything happens for a reason. I don't know if there's such thing as destiny. I don't know if there's such thing as fate don't let a good catastrophe go to waste all the crazy things but that song was destined for what it's for what it became uh you know i i credit that song hugely to you know dirk's the biggest hottest thing out right now and, and you know he's got his own stuff well he was featured on pushy song and i think that should skyrocket him to 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 people to like relook at his catalog but um like i was saying everything happened for a reason destiny all that 
So when did Dirk debut Back in Blood? Lil Dirk debuts Back in Blood on his Instagram Live while King Von gets shot and killed. Like that's that shit happened. That's real. That's not made up. Dirk yeah. is playing that shit in the car on live, and people are saying Von got shot. So, boom! Automatically screen recorded the biggest clip. Little Dirk reacting to King Von getting killed, but what's playing in the fucking car all the time? Back in blood. So, you know, it's it's, it's tragic as it gets. It's horrible. You know, I fucking love King Von's music, and you know, I'm from Chicago. That's the guy. Yo, his death is his death is the best marketing that song could ever fucking got. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know all that because I know the clip. You're, I mean, that clip was pretty viral and like you know, it yeah. make the majority of he's the playing, posts. He's, he's so. playing back and blue. Yeah, um, that's really crazy. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And it's like in terms of just being with Gucci too to bring it back to him for a second, like. What have been some just lessons you've kind of naturally picked up um, moving at the speed he moves at and, and just being around the clientele that, you know, he blesses you to be around with, you know, like what are just some things you pick up on? Fucking do your job. Everybody do your job first and foremost. You want to be, you want to be friends. You want to kick it. You want to be cool. Well, make sure your job is done. Uh, um, you know, I, I agree that that's the thing about, uh, you know, social media makes social media made photographers cool. Photography was not always cool. Photography was a nerdy, like lame thing. Ever and then social media made it cool to be a photographer and get followers and 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 all this stuff. So uh, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know. There's a, I think there's a huge chunk of people that are doing it because it's cool, not because they want to do it. And those kind of people are trying to be places because they're cool places to be and they're trying to take photos. I know people who want to do this shit and they don't listen to rap music. It's like, well, I don't really understand. People got to ask. I've had people in the pit be like, who is this? They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, then don't, then don't be, don't be taking photographs. Like yeah. I don't point my can't, I don't point my camera at people that I don't know who they are. And so, and a lot of times I'm kicking myself in the ass because they're, they're, you know, young little hot artists that are famous, but like, I'm not paparazzi. That's not what I'm trying to be. I'm not. I'm not trying to be paparazzi. I'm. I'm on a mission to create art and capture moments. And whatever my job is, that's priority numero uno. And 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 I'll, I just feel like a lot of people try to do it to be cool and and get the get the, get it for the social media, get it for your story, get the selfie. It's like that's not your job. Uh, and that goes. And that's across the. I mean, like I said, I can relate to photographers and I, and I personally just, uh, I've seen it so much, but it goes, it's kind of across the board, whether, you know, that goes for bodyguards, that goes for, you, you I mean, the fucking the bodyguards that move around with these guys, they're all on point and they look like badasses and they're doing their jobs. You know who's not doing their jobs? The, bo the security guys in the audience and in the pit. It's like, cause they're dancing and taking selfies. It's like, don't you see that there's levels to this? Like, there's a reason why you're a doorman and not a personal bodyguard, because look at you being a goofy and look at how these bodyguards are doing. There's a reason why you're got to sneak into shows with your camera and you don't get to work with artists because you're out here being paparazzi and they don't, artists, they don't want, that's not what they're looking for. They're trying to look, you know, you got to play it cool. And I personally, I pride myself that, I mean, I'm, this is going to sound corny and cocky, but like I pride myself on being cool. Like I really, 
think I play it cool. I'm really good at being cool. And, uh, uh, and, and I don't even mean just like the way you act. I mean, presenting yourself, like you just gotta be cool. Like you can't, you can't come, you can't come incorrect because people read that shit wrong. And, and whether it was your intentions or not, it's like, man, if you would just play it cool, you'd live on and see another day. Yeah. You, you, to, you gotta be patient too. Is like, is it's right, the hand in right. hand of it too. It's like, bro, you can't like, you gotta be patient. You gotta stay down and say, come on. Cause if you scold someone out, like, or are you like, you, you cracked the egg the wrong way. Goodbye, bro. You know what I mean? And like, they can tell right. people they have friends in the industry. You know what I mean? That also have friends. It's like, everyone's all connected, you know, somehow. And it, it, it's one of those things where it's like the understanding the levels to it, too, of just like, you know, you have to be patient with, with certain with these people and like because they're so busy and like their lives, you know, they're demanding lives that they live. So. Also on drugs. You want to be you want to be straight up. Yeah, right. A lot of these artists, a lot of them are on drugs. So, like, you, you know, think about that. You're messing with someone's high. You know, there are people are easily agitated. Yeah. And I mean, you drink, right? I'm assuming you'd be you'd be drinking. Uh, I, I, I do drink. I got nothing against it. Yeah. I do. I know kind of when the occasions hit, I'm grabbing drinks with friends, but I'm personally not a big drinker. Uh, I'm, I'm about to be 30 this week, actually. And oh. I'm at a point, I'm about a point in my age, uh, or in my life where I'm like, I don't need to do shit I don't like. And I don't, I just don't like the taste of alcohol. So I don't do it often, but, uh, you know, I, I got vices. I smoke a lot of weed, so yeah. I was gonna ask you: you, you, you be burning at all, or what? Like, yeah, what do you do yes, there? Sir. Yeah, that's yes, so. Like, I mean, weed's not any. Like, I don't know. I, I smoke too, and like, I don't really have the temptation to do like other drugs. Personally, it's not. It's something that doesn't really interest me. Um, you know. I can goof around and say it with my friends, like privately, but like I don't, you know, I'm not ever gonna be on that like vibe. How do you, right. how do you like being up in front of it, you know, and being around it? Uh, I assume pretty frequently with your job. Um, is it pretty easy to just kind of like keep that out of your mind um, and just kind of like you were saying a few minutes ago, just being focused on the tasks at hand? Yeah, right. Like step one, do your job, and and I, even me personally. Everyone's different. If you can handle a call and you can do that, more power to you. But like I said, do your job. My job, uh, I got a lot of jobs. I got a lot of wild card situations that happen. Um, shit goes down. Someone needs to drive the, the whip, blah, blah, I can't be, you know, I can't be, oh, I just took five shots in the club. Like, how am I going to drive the Escalade back? It's like, no, that shouldn't happen. I can, I'm a fucking pot smoker. I can, I can... I can handle shit when I'm high like that and it's not a problem. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't ever let it affect, uh, you know, I don't let it affect my tasks at hand, honestly. So, uh, I don't see a problem doing it, but yeah, you know, like if, if you never know what the fuck's going to happen, shots get fired on the music video and you got to run to a car and whoever's supposed to the driver's seat got to drive. Um, I can't be like, oh, I've been drinking in the trailer all day. Like, you going to fly. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's how, how you lose your job. Yeah, right. Um, sure. And it's just like, I mean, the theme here seems to be that you're pretty adamant about doing your job. And I'm assuming that's how you, uh, you said earlier that you're, you're kind of Gucci Mane's personal assistant uh, when you're with him and you're on the road with him. Um, what are some day-to-day responsibilities that you would say that come with that? Um, and how did that even happen? Um, well, so uh, first, how did it happen? You know, he's, he's uh, 
this goes this goes for like most rappers and because you know because their past lives and what they what they used to do and i mean i'm not spoiling any surprises here gucci man used to sell drugs he used to be in the streets he used to be a trapper you know uh so these guys are, are you know uh, uh there's like there's like a um, you know, just PTSD and fucking they've been, they've seen some shit. They, they got trust issues. There's a loyalty aspect to the, these guys. And, and I put the time in and it came with time. That wasn't no right away shit. I got, I can tell you a story about the first day. And, you know, the first day I, I was in there whip with him, uh, uh, picked up from the airport in New York city and headed downtown and was in the back of the truck. And, and, you know, uh, that was the first day I met him, and he, he was like, yo, don't let someone I don't know sit in the back of the truck with me. Uh, like, and I rode with the tour manager and the DJ from that point on. We, we, everywhere we go, this is still how it is, just because, you know, tour manager and DJ, they got sound check and pull up to places early, and I used to go everywhere with them in a separate vehicle. And then, you know, as time went on, he, you know, he needs a guy to, he, he don't, like I said, tr- you know, trust issues and loyalty, and plus, you know, paparazzi and all that shit, like, when he's in a hotel, he don't he don't want room service coming to his room and all that stuff. So I field anyone and everyone. I'm like the barrier between him and strangers, really. So if anyone needs to do anything with him, come to me first. And, and and that's you know that like I said, that was a slow slow roll of years of being with him to being like that's my guy that I can trust. So it just kind of, it just slowly came a time and and you know it really is just like your mundane tasks that you can think of but you know as a person who's got safety as priority number one and and you know millions of dollars of jewelry on him when he's out and about like yeah uh, you know you got to put a shield between you and and strangers so i'm I'm that shield whether it's like going to grab something for an errand or you know going to the club and getting the the back end of you know the the paycheck you know i'm i'm there for whatever task it needs me for because that's my job on the road. It's more than a photographer. I get paid to be on the road with them, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't think people like, you know, there's some people listening that probably understand on the road and, and get it, but there's some that don't. Um, and I, you know, I think you'd be a good cat, a good guy to kind of explain like what that is really like. Um, and you were saying at the top, like it's not your experience may not be the typical, um, but in terms of the highest level, like, yeah, I mean, you know, you're seeing that, you know, a lot of the, you know, most famous people, like you're living that. So it's like, how, how do you survey that situation in your role essentially? And like, what are the like key components you got to kind of be doing? Um, you know, I, like I said, it's just, it's really just make yourself available for anything and everything. And, and what on the road means is like, uh, so I got a wicked schedule, right? It looks crazy on the calendar, but when you do the math, it's not that crazy. Like I'm here talking to you right now. It's fucking Wednesday. Yesterday was Tuesday. I got back in town on Monday. So like when you're on the road, that's a 24 hour work day. Anytime, anytime and every time he wants to call me and do something, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it looks like I work two days a week, right? I worked 40 hours in those two days of the week. So I, even though I only, even though I only worked, uh, you know, like I said, I put in a four, uh, 40 hour week, even though I was only gone for three days. And then I'm here in Chicago chilling and freelancing and taking care of life 
uh, um, on my on my days off. And it's like it's honestly the opposite of you know everyone else's schedule. Like uh, everyone in my life is wants to hang out on weekdays or weekends, and I'm like, nah, I'm gone, but I'll be back on Monday if you can if you want to do some shit. You know, and I'm chilling Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday, I'm, you know, probably had to do airport again. So it's just a weird, it's just a weird schedule. But like I said, on the road means you know, working twenty, it could be twenty four hours a day. Because when I first like met you, uh, and you, you just probably no way you remember this because it was a while ago. But when I when I did first meet you, um, I remember just kind of like I brought that up to you just out of curiosity. And you, you hit me with the line of, yeah, honestly, I wake up and the first thing I do is I check my Apple wallet to see if I have a ticket wired into it. And, and I, you know, that's the only time I've ever gotten that <laughs> response um, from anyone. I didn't know I got, people so, could wire them so, into the Apple right, wallets. So, so real talk, I have a Google calendar that I just, that I do have to, you know, refresh it every day or so and make sure nothing new popped in. Uh, but I got a Google calendar that just gets updated. And then, yeah, uh, I, I'll know. It's not like a complete surprise, but like the Google calendar says Atlanta this weekend. Well, I'm going to go into my American app and then refresh it on Wednesday and see if a ticket popped in for Friday. And that's that's how it is. But like I have a travel agent and stuff that I communicate with. And I have all these people that I could text and reach. But like I said, I've been doing this for so many years now. And this team's the same. And and uh, you know, it's a whole lot of uh, nonverbal communication going on with everyone just knows their job. So like I said, I just refresh the shit and it's there. I could, you know, sometimes I get paranoid when I don't see it and then I'm gonna call the travel agent and be like, what's happening this weekend? And she'll let me know, but you know, like I said, I'm, I got my job for a reason. I'm, I'm good at staying on point. What are some, uh, could you possibly share some some of your favorite kind of like studio session memories you've had over the last few years and, and like some cool maybe stories from that? Um, man, I'm in the studio so much. Right. <laughs> like that's, another, that's another awesome perk to kind of being the assistant that used to, it's beyond the photography, right? So yeah. Gucci lives in Miami, so he's, he's got to hit the studio for something. He brings me down to be in the studio with him for, you know, just assistance on anything he needs. But uh, it wasn't always that way because he don't want photos when he's in the studio. He don't, he's, you know, he's the type of guy, the type of guy he is. He don't really show behind the scenes sort of lifestyle. When he's in the studio, he's showing on his own personal vibe. He's not all dressed up and, you know, the chains are enough. So I don't even bust the camera out. I'm just there to be there. So I, I get to be in the studio a lot with him. I've seen seen quite a few uh, uh, I've seen quite, quite a few people in there with him but it's I mean shit's always lit when it's in Atlanta uh, because that's where all the artists are and and over the past few years Super Bowl's been in Atlanta All-Star Game been in Atlanta mm-hmm. just all in the like last three years so I mean those times stick on my head because it's All-Star Weekend Super Bowl Weekend everyone's there no one's out of town so the studio is just Little baby showed up. Gunner showed up. They did a song together. Dolph was already there with us. Um, you know, the, all all the do everyone comes out. The, they all go to club. They all go to their each other's appearances too. Like you'll hit the club, and then what do you do after the club? You go to the studio. So mm-hmm. Atlanta's always lit. Always the stereotypical artists that you can think of. You know, pulling up on QC and the Migos are there and shit like that. Like that's 
that's just Atlanta back, you know, not three, three years ago beyond, you know, that's how, how it was. Um, because all these artists are like, shit, I've been seeing Lil Baby and Gunna since they're before their first tape together. So to see them become the biggest artists in the world is like just crazy shit. Yeah, and it's like we probably talked about it earlier with the label, and it's like there's probably so many more artists, like if you really stack it up, that you've seen uh, come out of their situations and are just like mainstream to the nines now, you know? Uh, it's, I can't even really... <laughs> There's just so many, you know, um, if like if you started in 2017, like there's a good dozen or two um, that I could imagine. And um, moving from like all the different cities that you're in, I mean, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, um, New York, I'm assuming time to time in L.A. Like what are what are some of the favorite places you like to be working in and um, what are like the advantages that you have in those places, if that makes sense? Like what makes those places stand out extra more like a little more? Yeah, um, I mean, this is a fact of life. It's all about who you know, right? Like, to get anything, it's all about who you know. So my favorite places are biased because of the people I know, I want to say. Straight up, and it's crazy to say this because, like, New York's amazing, L.A.'s amazing, California in the whole is amazing. Um, Just everyone wants to always be in warm, tropical places, right? Miami's sick. Man, I love going to Atlanta. That's where... It's like where there's just always stuff going on. There's always something happening. There's always something to do. It's where all these artists live. Um, so they're all there in their own element, their own vehicles, shit, shit like that. Like, you know, when you're on the road, all you do is see rappers in black Suburbans. Mm-hmm. When, you're in Atlanta, when you're in Atlanta, you see rappers in Lamborghinis and McLarens and Rolls Royces and shit because they're, they're at their home. So Atlanta's always dope. It's literally like uh, I always say it feels like you're in a rap music video or it could just pop off at any time. Like, uh, you could be at a, <laughs> you could literally be at an intersection and some Hellcat Dodge chargers might start just ripping burnouts in the middle of the intersection. That's just like some regular shit that goes on in Atlanta. Like that's it. That just does not go on here in Chicago. I may, I may, maybe I'm secluded to Wicker Park and Bucktown. I mean, fuck, I've been here since, I've been here since 2010, like literally living in the city alone since 2010. Uh, and, and I have not experienced the type of shit that I see in Atlanta. I'm not, I'm not that close minded either. You know, I've been to all the blocks in Chicago because of what I do. Um, but Atlanta's just different when it comes to the music industry stuff. It's like the, it's like those guys are, you know, they're really outside. It's like, I don't know. It's like I said, it's like being in a music studio, but for real. Um, but then, uh, my next fa- like these are my I literally I'm giving you these two answers because it's what I always say where I should live and my answer is I should live in Atlanta or I should go live in LA because that's the next place where everything's going on got a homie out there who's been a homie um, honestly ba- based off the sneaker shit too since day one he's my, my homie his name is Blake Pals he's been my homie in Chicago here and he uh He's one of like the early employees at Fear of God, and um, I, I, whenever I'm out there, I pull up on him. I stay with him, and uh, ever since he's been staying out there, and, and now he's been working with Jerry Lorenzo more years than I've been working with Gucci Mane, and uh, he's like my foot in the door to like whenever there's cool events and shit out there. Uh, if I'm ever in LA, it's like I get to pull up to this dope ass shit that uh, that's going on because I it's all about you know. So what, what were some events? 
Go ahead, bro. My fault. No, I was just going to say, wherever you got a good web of connections, you know, it's always a good place to be. Yeah, right. I feel you. And, like, where um, where are some things, like, in events that you got to go to this year that weren't based on, like, you know, working for an artist? It was kind of more or less just, like, you know, you were invited by connection-based. like connection based. Um, I mean, whenever there's stuff going in Chicago, uh, I feel like it's been going on less and less. Um, you know, I guess, but that's kind of a product of society and everything that went on over 2020 and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But, you know, galleries and stuff like I was, uh, I've never, I've never even posted my own gallery. It's such a weird gray area when your photography is all based around other artists. So, you know, you're liable to get sued for selling the images. So I've never, I've never, uh, I've never pursued hosting my own shit. But, I, you know, I got to be a part of a gallery this last year. It was for um, Easy Odor. He's a, an OG at RCP Gallery and, uh, you know, creative team with Travis Scott. And he owns a gallery down here um, in the uh, West Loop area. And that was pretty dope. Um, you know, he it's a, it changes out all the time. So just little stuff like that. But I don't really, I can't lie, I don't really chase that stuff as much because... When the you know the big sh- I get to go to the big shit with Gucci like a big award shows BET awards and, and I mean first I went to the Grant I went to the Grammys the freaking day that Kobe died a couple of whenever the hell that was that was a wild day. What was that environment like? Because it's like you're around oh, it was, probably it was like being of people that knew memorial. him. Yeah, and like right. people that are like. You were probably around it, it, all those people's the, idols who idolized Kobe. You know, it, what I mean, it was at the Staples Center. Yeah, the Grammys. Jesus. The Grammys were at the Staples Center. His house. So, so fucking, the Grammys are going on the red carpet, and then across the street is is the giant billboards outside of the Staples Center. R.I.P. Kobe. It happened that freaking morning. I was like, is this shit real? I feel like I'm in a simulation. That's nuts. What the fuck? I'm from a town of 1,100 people, bro. Yeah, right. And it's like, you know, it's pretty, I think it's kind of clear how you got out of, I don't want to say got out, but like, you know, paved this this way for yourself. It's like you understand what your job is each and every time when you show up. And it's like, that's right. just a really important message for the people listening is like, you know, when you're at events and like when you go to events and, you know, that's part of the job, you know, like popping out is like a part of it, you know, and like going to right. different things is like, that's how you can pave your way. And like, you know, it leads to stuff, you know? Right. Like if you do really got, you really do got to pop out. Like that should be a part of your job. Like for, for anyone who's not working, like I'm not, you know, anyone who's not working, you should be popping out kind of story. Like if you're not getting money, pop out to get money. It's all about being seen in, the, in this in this industry. It's all about uh, that's a big thing about me too. Like like I said, people think I'm busy as fuck, which I I am to a degree. I I am busy as fuck. I'm booked as fuck, but you're tired. Um, <laughs> Make I'm sure you put that in there. <laughs> fucking tired, bro. For real, I don't want to do shit sometimes where I gotta just fucking chill. But um, you know, that's half the battle too. Is look busy, make it. These are, and this isn't even for capping. You know, this isn't for this isn't. For showing out this is for getting money like this is for brands the same for your homies this is you should you gotta look busy for brands you think you think nike chicago wants to hire someone who who's never doing shit it's like no you gotta be fake it fake it till you make it to a certain degree like 
like you know there's a certain time when you do got to post brands that you're not even getting paid for and you're doing it for because you bought the product you and it looks cool on your shit and you want to create the content and all it is is a loss of money across the board but maybe nike chicago ig page liked that picture and followed you back and now your foot is in the door to get an email address and then you can get that email address and maybe parlay that into some money you know you gotta look long you gotta look long term with this kind of shit Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this industry, like the industry, I feel like the entertainment industry on a whole is is long term. I mean, there's other right. ones that like we both don't do, like acting. That's like so long term, you know. Like right. it, it really is like yeah, it's a long it's a long game. And like if you're not in it for that long game, then like get out because there's you know that's how you kind of survive day in day out. Right. Um, I would definitely want to shine some light onto like what you do when you have downtime. Um, obviously, like on the top, uh, when I called you, you were walking the dogs. Yeah, um, yeah right. Yeah, I think full-time, you got an Instagram page for the dogs, right? I do. I do got an Instagram page for the dogs, so I can just post my bullshit. That's what I'm doing most of the time. It's also what I love the most. These two dogs make up my. Uh, uh, these dogs bring me a lot of happiness. Can't lie. And uh, my my one my one dog is. Is a great, exceptionally crazy good dog. Uh, um, I know everyone says that, but I promise you, everyone that I ever met this dog says that about her. She's crazy well trained. Um, uh, you know, she just she just amazingly well trained off the leash. Does anything I want. Can almost read your mind. But she had terrible health problems her whole life, uh, which cost a fucking lot of money. Yeah, uh, going to going to the vets all the time switching bets all the time switching foods all the time she got surgeries all this shit so that's why i stuck to one dog because it was a financial burden and then eventually as of uh pushing about a year now a new vet somewhere diagnosed this problem that was her thyroid the whole time which now we're getting fucking just becoming a dog medical podcast but (laughs) let's just say she's perfectly healthy now the financial burden is chilled out and she's uh, seven years old, so I decided to get a second dog because I've always wanted just more dogs, and she's at a good age for it. And um, like I said, she's so well-trained, so like that just makes your job half as easy with a puppy. Like he's already, He already sits, stays, and lays down because he sees her do it. Like It's like monkey see, monkey do with dog training, so I kind of... I'm looking out that way, but yeah, full-time job here in the city. I'm a frequenter of every Wicker Park dog park there is. I'm I'm there often. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so. well, it's good though, man, because it's like again, like with this stuff, no matter kind of where you're at, if you're the artist, if you're the guy capturing what the artist does and helping to create the image, like you need your downtime and you need your own. Right. You need your own thing, and like right, um, and you need healthy, and you need healthy habits too, and. And the dogs push me to do what? They got to go outside. They're high energy. They want to go outside. They got to go to dog parks. So I walk miles and miles with these dogs every day when, uh, if I didn't, I mean, of course, I like to, I'm a past athlete and like to think that I would do that, but I've called myself in life not a lot. So the dogs get me up and off my ass. Otherwise, I'd be fucking playing video games all day long, you know, instead of. But now I can't because, you know, I got to pick uh, if I'm going to play more video games, then my dogs are going to piss in the house. So you gotta, <laughs> I got to get out of the house. Yeah, right. And, yeah, that's it's good that you recognize the 
basic care that <laughs> goes into it. And like, um, are you a PS5 guy? I mean, what do you, what do you kind of? Yeah. Okay. So what are we playing? Yeah. What are we playing over there? Um, uh, a whole lot of GTA. Okay. I, I go through mad phases. Uh, honestly, I wasn't even that into video games in life. I'm, I'm into technology. I would say more mm-hmm. like, uh, big quarantine purchase when they took my movie theater privileges away I went and bought a monstrous TV because I love watching movies and then the PS5 came soon after and I was like I got this fucking state of the art 8K TV like I'm not going to knock the PS5 to flex on how sick this is going to be and uh, it's honestly been uh, (laughs) I'm not going to say a problem but like shit maybe i didn't need the ps5 <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um you know that's I, I just spent a lot of downtime on the ps5 when i'm in the crib chilling but that you know that's i think that's just our generation too it's no. like i don't watch i don't watch tv i don't i don't consume i'm not sitting down watching seasons of a tv show by some gta i watch and I will, I'll watch a classic TV show, but I won't watch movies and like that's all I'll do if I like, if it's a classic TV show like that's all I'll do and I'll like won't play yeah. video games and like I really don't play that many video games. I only really play 2K. Like I'm addicted to really? 2K. Oh yeah, it's really bad. I'm um, fucking. I, I I try to get you know my little brother. He actually lives with me. Um, and and he's got his system in his room and everything, so we can play. Mm-hmm. He's a big 2K guy, but. I just can't. I don't, what what the hell do you have to do in 2K to get your player freaking good? Like, do you just really got to put in the time? Yeah. The, like I, so my career is like, and I don't play my career anymore. Like, I just really only play with my homies, like to get a get a break in. Honestly, like I don't yeah. play like, like I play used in the park, to. Right? Huh? You play in the park? You yeah. Play in the park? Yeah, I dabble with the park. Um, but like yeah, I played see, my OG thing is, 2K. Like, my player sucks. Yeah, bro. It, it it's really that put in the time thing. Like year in year out, that's a yeah. the constant theme. Is like if you're not trying to like just throw in guap to like get the coins to like upgrade them off the base like you gotta you gotta put that time in like i don't think you can do that i'll pay i don't think you can do that i'll fucking pay i'll pay some real money to get my player to be able to dunk a goddamn dance while he won't dunk yeah like you used to be able to like when i was a kid like playing my career like you know hours on end like you could just throw money in to like kind of like off ride that like huh. 70s overall phase and then like you grind them up from the 80s to the 90s you know what i mean yeah. it's like it, it was way easier but i think yeah maybe they blocked it like i don't know like i i even yeah. though i'm like younger than you you might think i played a lot of video games but like it never was really like i don't know it was never like something i was like overly drawn to you know what i mean like i've played like i've dabbled with cods and like um, yeah. I really only liked the OG ones, and like I think GTA was, is a game. Like, same, go ahead. Yeah, same story here. Same story here. I was always just dabbling, but honestly, Fortnite changed the game for me. Oh like, yeah. First, I was literally Fortnite. Like I never even I I play I still never really been a COD guy. I honestly, deleted it off my system because it's 500 gigs for mm-hmm. it's like 250 gigs each game, and I was like, I can't now. I have a PS5 with only one game on it, so I literally deleted COD because. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm just not about that life like that. But Fortnite really, yeah, changed the game for me. But that was a phase, you know. Um, it's funny you bring up Fortnite said, that, too. That, that being said, I just logged in yesterday to buy the Balenciaga outfit <laughs> that they dropped on there. I, I was going to ask that. you about that because, like, you're into fashion too. So it's like, what do you think about the whole like, you know, games being like Fortnite doing that? Isn't that kind of wild? 
That is kind of wild. And yo, I have a separate thought here. I want to say, which is like I said, I don't, I don't really play Fortnite anymore, but I did log in to buy the Balenciaga outfit. I did log in to buy the Space Jam LeBron outfit because uh, with the whole hype of NFTs and all that going on and buying, everyone's so obsessed with buying stuff digitally nowadays. Like, think about those. Think about. I mean, this goes for COD. This goes for GTA with the vehicles. Think about your. You can put real money in, buy their tokens, use the tokens to buy these things, and now I own this LeBron skin. And that shit ain't coming back, and they ain't re-releasing Space Jam or anything like that, so it's done and gone. So, like, if Fortnite lives on 10 more years and is a thing, is my account going to be worth some, like, real money because I could sell it? Because, like, yo, I got the Balenciaga, I got the LeBron, I got the Spider-Man. That shit was 10 years ago. It's like... It's low-key like how Pokemon cards are back right now for crazy money. It's like, can I maybe sell my Epic account in 10 years for fucking, like, 10 grand? Like, Like, I know kids that did that in high school, dog, and made, like, licks. Like, they made, like, just stupid amount of money because they bring back three times what they put in. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, bro, 100%. With Fortnite, like, when Fortnite was crazy in, like, 2017, 2018, like, dog, people were running around my high school scamming people online for that shit. (laughs) Because it was so easy to. Like, you could just get the skins and, like, find a way to hack the skins because it was so new, too. Like, Epic Games was, like, pretty new to the video game world and everything with this, and Fortnite was all, you know, brand new and shit. But yeah, Fortnite was the one that kind of got me. Like that was that it got everyone. I mean, twenty eighteen, like twenty seventeen. Like if you right. weren't playing Fortnite, bro, you were missing out. And like PUBG was even another one that like that was the one I want. Like that some people wanted to play but didn't. And then the ones that did played it, uh, when yeah, it got mainstream, it, it ruined. It got ruined. So it was like, damn, all right, there's no point. So then Fortnite just took over, and it was yeah, bad, and then COD, then COD put in there Warzone so see a PUBG. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like with CODs, it's like, I don't know. I liked the OG ones, and I just simply, to simply keep it simple, like the new ones are so, like, they're too far derived uh, yeah. from the originals. So I just don't fucking care about them. Like, I, you know, I, I just I, don't. I, I feel, um, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, with the, like, you make a good point about that, like with the account still, though, and like, yeah, you own it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you put the money right. in, you buy the Balenciaga Fortnite shit. So, okay, right. you own it. On, you own it. Yeah, it might be on Fortnite, but like, you still own Balenciaga Fortnite stuff. Um, what are some of your favorite, like, you know, you're a huge shoe guy. Um, I love shoes. I could, we could talk a whole nother hour about shoes. Um, what are some of your favorite, like, models that are in your collection? And also, how many pairs do you think you roughly have in your collection? Hmm. Well, favorite model, straight off the bat, Jordan 11. It's like the shoe that got me into it. Um, definitely. Red 11s was like the first, uh, uh, this is all like going back to like I'm from like I'm from a small ass town, no, no pop culture influence at all. But that, that being said, I was rocking Jordans in high school, and and that being said, they were the wrong Jordans because I didn't know shit. I was you know I was all about I was I was on fashion a little bit. Like I was wearing I, I rocked True Religion jeans and and I rocked I rocked Jordan. Uh, uh, they were, honestly, I remember in high school, they were called Jordan 5 Forces. So they were literally Jordan 5s with an Air Force One bottom. And that was like my first pair of J's. Uh, but but I, I, I collected that. I collected T-Max. I had all the T-Max in middle school and high school. And and um, 
uh, just more obscure players that I like liked back in that time period, but and, uh, Iversons and stuff like that, but not not really Jordans until they started retroing them in college, living in Chicago. And like I remember the Concords came out one Christmas. I definitely didn't get them because that shit was way too hard to do when I was in college, so I couldn't camp out for a fucking week. Um, and then. Um, and then I, this was in college. I got like an inheritance check from a great grandma, and I went and bought three hundred dollar Brad Elevens and foam posits, and and that was it was game time from there. Uh, just flipping shoes and using my allowance. Like I said, I did sports in college. I didn't have a real job, so I would have an allowance. And you know, instead of going grocery shopping, I would just get around the noodles and go buy Jays. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. And I respect that grind, man, because it's like there. It's you know, I know at least with my generation, it's it's a lot more different than that. And like for me, it was that same thing of like, you know, it wasn't quite camping out because um, like I couldn't afford the shoes and I couldn't get to the malls or whatever because I was young. Right. But it was like that, like squandering up any money i could and like you know trying to get as close as i could to the retail price and then getting to the retail price for some of them and like um it was always cool like and i always appreciated my mom for like trying to follow it with me and like it was it'd be like it, it turned into like as i was growing up it literally turned into something that like my mom fucked with and like you know like yeah. would like support me doing and like she wanted me to get the shoes that i wanted you know and like it, it was dope you know like um, then my mom supported that and I feel you because I was in a town too where it was like kids gave a shit about like what they wore to play like town ball but they didn't care about like the shoes on their feet um, going to school and right. stuff like that and you know in high school I went to like a, I went to a state like high school so it was with like different kids from all over the, the state so you had some people giving a shit about the shoes they wore and stuff like that then but like yeah you know, like I didn't I- I didn't know about shoes, but I liked what I liked. And like I said, low, I was obsessed with Lil Wayne and he would wear the creative, uh, is it called creative recreation, creative revival, creative rec. I think it's a shoe brand that, uh, they sold at zoomies and they had the big tongue skate. They weren't like quite skateboard shoes. They're like lifestyle shoes, but like, you know, Lil Wayne rocked them. I was confident. And that's just like pre artists being, I mean, Kanye had the easy ones on and I can't, name another artist at that time that I was aware of like I just wasn't hip to super old stuff like uh, and then plus that shit was like weird offlines anyway it wasn't like a Nike collab like when Jay-Z and 50 Cent had their sneakers like that was some like weird offlines like there was no if you didn't live in a city you weren't even gonna hear about that shit so you know like I said I was just looking at what Lil Wayne was rocking and I was going to Zoomies and buying that shit yeah no, that's raw, bro. And like, um, what are some other things you do, kind of, when you have uh, like the time to invest in yourself and like, you know, do what you want. Oh, honest, these dogs is a real full time job right now. Training the dogs, it yeah. really is. Uh, like everything I do in my free time, um, um, and and I think, oh yeah, we, I was saying this earlier too. So like, I'm from an hour and a half north of the city it's really like the illinois wisconsin border but um i'm very fortunate that my parents live up there and they got 10 acres and they have a dog and my brother one of one of my brothers lives in there right and then another brother lives up there by them and he's got dogs so i'm fortunate enough that every time i got a bus and move travel wise i go run my dogs up to my parents and leave them there otherwise 
I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to move the way I'm moving because you know boarding and all that. A, I wouldn't want to board my dogs like that, and B, that shit gets a little costly. So you know, my free time <laughs> here in the city, you know, I try to chill and kick it, and uh, uh, I'm hanging out a lot. And my home is really my, I'm a real homebody. I've lived in the same crib now for uh, since like 2014. So uh, like I said, I've I got a fucking, I, I've really it takes years to. It takes years to, you know, accumulate all the shit that I have. And I got a big ass TV. I got all the game systems I need. I got sauna in my crib. I got workout equipment in my crib. I got a whole spare room for the closet. And, and this is my, this is my like happy place. Like, uh, I, I spend a lot of time at the crib because when I'm out, you know, when I'm on the move, I'm so far gone. There's no, it's not like another job where you get to come home at night. Like, Last night was the first night I slept in my bed in five days. It was so nice. And that, and I, I haven't even been out of Illinois. It's like, yeah, I got to go around to my parents to get the dogs. Um, I had a dentist appointment and had to get new tires for my whip while I was out there and shit. So, like, like I got back last night. I'm like, wow, I haven't slept in this bed since Thursday last week. This is horrible. My neck is killing me. So, you know, like I said, when, I, when I'm in the city, I try not to leave the crib unless it's for a paycheck, honestly. Right, and in terms of like your dog, like bringing up the dog stuff, bringing them to the parents, like dude, your uh, boarding room fee or uh, dog boarding fee, like annually, would be like a feature for like right. the artists you work with, bro. Like right. that right. shit would be expensive. Um, right, and it's, I even got and I got the puppy in boot camp and shit right now, and yeah, that shit adds up. Right, so it's like yeah, I'm already knowing that's kind of a nice blessing. Plus the ten acres, it's like okay, with you know, do more than stretch right. the legs, and that's good. Right, because that's the thing, you know, I, I, I'm an active person in terms of, like, getting out of the house and going on walks, not not so much, you know, going out, but, like, you know, I'm active in that sense, but uh, I do only have a three-bedroom condo in the city, like, luckily I'm on the, you know, this is by design, it's not lucky, this, it's all by design, I live on the first floor, so I walk outside and I'm outside, um, you know, if, if I was in a high-rise in a one-bedroom and and it'd be impossible, but, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still pushing it. You know, I don't got a backyard I got a coach house behind me and I got two big dogs. So, uh, luckily I'm an active ass person. I got this six or six path right next to me and I'm on it every day, but, uh, could, you know, life could be worse. Yeah, for real, bro. I mean, always, I'm always appreciative of what I got every day, you know, much like my situation. Right. Cause it's like, yeah, you're right. It always can get like worse. Um, and you were saying, like, when you were talking about the crib, like, you got a whole get uh, room for the closet. So, like, that shoe collection has got to be north of 100 pairs. Uh, yeah, I did a fat getting rid of unloading. Um, it was pre It didn't even have to do with COVID or anything. It was, like, just pre-COVID. Total mm -hmm. coincidence. Um, and it's not even, like... You know, that's all another conversation. COVID really didn't affect me, uh, uh, really, because that was so regional. Like, yeah, COVID affected Chicago, but guess what? It didn't affect Miami and LA, or I mean, Miami and Atlanta. So I just went there every weekend. But um, yeah, like I was saying, uh, I definitely was, I'm, I might be north of 100 pairs with these bins I have of running shoes and basketball shoes. But like, I'm honestly in the room right now. Uh, as far as like pairs on display in those like clear cases, one, two, 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm north of 100 pairs. Yeah, bro, I'm like, you gotta be. Like, you're not yeah. having a whole nother room and having, like, <laughs> under 100 pairs. Like, yeah. nah. We're like, <laughs> like I've talked to people, like, when they, like, you know Tara. Um, Coppin and Rockham, you might, I'm not sure, but, like, yeah. she, she was... Uh, I'm familiar with Coppin and Rockham, yeah. Yeah, like, bro, she's got, like, 300-some pairs, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, like, she's got a whole wall in the crib that's, like, you know, the shoe <laughs> wall, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, but, I'm, like... But I totally did, I totally did, like, obscure Jordans, like, I can't, like, it's, like we were saying earlier, everything comes back around, so, and it's just me, I'm a product of the 90s, I was born in 91. OG colorways, keeping them, right? I got... I got bread ones. I got cement, white cement, fire red threes. I go back bread, fire. If it's an OG colorway of a low number Jordan, keep it. All the random colors, I unloaded them. I unloaded probably like 20 pairs before quarantine started just off the strength of like, man, why do I need five pairs of Jordan fours uh, <laughs> when like I really only like the OG colorways and then like some offshoots of favorite ones like, or just ones that are just a little more rare, you know, keep the crazy heat and then all the miscellaneous. It's like, don't need it. What are some pairs you would be confident um, in owning yourself that like no one listening's probably got? Like, do you have some stuff like that in the, in the room? Like a couple real heaters? Mm. Uh, well, like stuff that I just, that like, uh, I like to personally, this is a Yeezy thing, I would say. Um, but it goes for, like, new models when Nike does some new models, which is rare. But, like, whenever a new shoe, like, a, a brand-new model comes out, I like to get that first colorway. And I, for the most part, have hung on to those first colorways. So, like, for example, uh, the f- first Adidas Yeezy, the 750, you know, the big high-top boot with the zipper on the side? Mm-hmm. So I got the first ones ever, yeah. and I still got them because, like I said, I like to keep that first colorway. Got rid of the chocolate ones, got rid of those triple black ones, got rid of the glow-in-the-dark ones, but keep the OG ones. Same thing goes for, thing. Uh, same thing goes for, I literally just opened this, I got my hand the Turtle Dove 350s, like, got them, they're destroyed, I still have them, I bought them when they came out, and then what pirate blacks moon rocks and like oxford tans they're called Mm -hmm. i mean sold them why why have them at this point like if you want to keep the shoe keep your favorite color and dish the rest and uh i I like to it's just a personal thing and i think i think my even though that's like i say it's a personal thing i think it kind of does coincide with the money usually the first colorways it's got that usually it's initially uh what a little more scarce in terms of numbers so I think that just coincides with the money, you know, like when you got that first colorway. Same thing goes for like the Virgil, like the 10, you know, I got a couple of those still and I'll probably keep those. Like I got these Air Force Ones right here. I got these Blazers right here and shit like that. But as far as him dropping hella shit all the time, I don't need it. I got, I already got the OG ones. Like I don't need to, I don't need to get these black, the black versions of the Air Force Ones and shit like that. I got the, I'm, I'm straight like otherwise otherwise you're just buying fucking if that's your thing and you can make money out of it do it but like man you know how many shoes i would have if i still felt like i needed to and, and I had a point, there was a certain time in my life where i did feel like i needed to like back to the og days like 
I got a big chunk of my Instagram following from winning outfit grids. You know what outfit grid is? I don't, honestly. No, you got your phone in your hand? Um, I got a computer I well, can look it up on. Whatever, do, do whatever. I'll just explain it. It's called yeah. Outfit Grid. It's probably, I don't know if they got a million followers, but they it's people squaring out there, folding up a shirt, the jacket, the shoes, laying it on the ground, and the best outfit of every day wins. And I won that a few times, and, you know, it, it, it was probably a quick 10,000 followers at, at the time when I thought that was important in life. And, and it makes you feel like, oh, I need – I can't repeat shoes. I can't repeat shirts. I can't repeat things. And it's like, I was buying hella shoes and I was like, just to post a picture, which was sweet. You know, you do, you get a hit of dopamine and that's awesome for a minute. Uh, and then, and then you got to fucking look at your wallet and be like, wow, I mean, I didn't really need those shoes and I spent this money. Now I got to take a little $40 loss to sell them on Facebook. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. It, it yeah, man. It, it's crazy though, because um, like shoes have just they've gone such a long way from like even just five years ago, ten years ago. Like, bro, remember when people would pop out in like basketball shoes? Like they'd wear like LeBron tens, LeBron like Kobe bro, like shoes. real basketball shoes. Astro, bro. like like you know like a athletic I got shoes. Em. I got them all, bro. Yeah. Oh man. I got them all, bro. It's such a good era of sneakers, bro. And, like, Nike basketball shit was, like, <laughs> flying, bro. Like, ugh. Right. Oh, man. They'll never be able to, like, recreate that. Um, yeah, I don't know what the – I don't know what – I was just had this conversation, too. I mean, I guess I do know what that is. You know, they have – these athletes had to make a decision. And it's, like, look cool or perform great. And perform great is the priority for them, you know. So, I feel like every LeBron, I'll, I'll – I bet I'll I'll say this on record. I bet you never see another LeBron that's not flying it. Why? Because he loved he obviously loves the flying it. It's obviously the best technology. It's obviously plain and simple, the best technology for his foot, you know? So I bet you'll never see him stray from that ever again. You'll never get you'll never get you know, the crazy LeBron elevens that were like foam positive looking. You're never gonna get uh, you know, a solid fake leather plastic shoe again you're gonna uh, because it's not conducive to the, their level of performance so you know you know i don't think you're gonna see a lot of variations in his shoes ever again they all really look like basketball shoes no more no more of that uh colorways that people can wear with jeans you know right no no for real bro um a question i definitely had for you and it's honestly it's my last question um what would you what would you kind of say as um uh kind of just like for some advice almost to like photographers that like follow you and, and listen and really pay attention to your work um what would you kind of say to those people as like kind of a pillar of advice hmm, pillar of advice to just people trying to start out and do what i do huh well I mean, it doesn't get better than the whole do your job thing, like focus on your priorities and make sure that shit happens first. Like even when it comes to networking, right? Like there's a time and place for networking. Um, when you're in a, I mean, I, I apologize if I'm ever standoffish to people because I'm in, you know, I'm in my priority mode. I, I'm a, I, I'm a nice person. I'm a genuine guy. I, I'd love to talk to anyone and everyone, but uh, you know, I'm, when we're in the pit in front of Gucci Mane and he's, he can literally fucking see us. I'm not about to, 
you know, swap Instagrams and follow you because, yo, we're, you know, it's go time right now. Like, that's not the time and place for that kind of shit. So, you know, just stay on task, do your job, but, you know, don't, don't, you never know who, it's all about who you know. So, it re- you know, I-, I love connecting with people. I love, I love uh, getting to, you know, anything I can do for someone where if it doesn't affect me, why wouldn't I do it? So, uh, you know, I feel like you never know who's going to be like that. Like, uh, you know, I could photo, I would love to get everyone a photo pass. There ain't no skin off my back to get anyone a, a photo pass to come to a show. But like, if I can't do it, I can't do it. And I'm not about to like break my back to like go do it. And it might be something just as hard of, of like, I fucking honestly can't leave the whip and go to the front of house right now to get you a pass. I don't have time. I'm sorry. That's what it is. But sometimes it's easy. So it's really, you can't take offense to shit uh, because, you know, really, it's, you know, you never know, you never know what it takes to get something done. And if it's something that's going to affect me, sorry, I can't make it happen because I don't even know you that well. But if it's easy and it's no skin off my back, consider it done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one last quick question, too, that I um, I thought of while you were talking is some goals that you have for yourself for the rest of the year. Um, what are it's like currently like end of September ish. Um, it'll this will be out on Monday, by the way, around your birthday. Um, so little gift from us, little, the interview. <laughs> um, yeah. Sunday is my birthday. So what yeah. day is it? Sunday? Yeah. Fire. Fire. Yeah, it'll drop Monday. So um, it'll be like yeah next day but what are some what are some things that you're working on uh for yourself just like goals and stuff like that kind of for the remaining of the year um man uh i've been taking it so day by day lately i feel like it's so i've that's not even something i really thought of for myself lately um but you know there's i always i've always had a goal to you know merchandise myself more and better and 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 create multiple streams of revenue through this uh, um, situation. Uh, I want to host my own gallery eventually here. Um, I want to. I want to get some more album artworks done. I want to get more magazine covers done. Um, these are these are just like goals with no timestamp on them right now. But um, I know I'm really focused on. I'm really focused on bettering myself right now. Um, I've had you know my bouts with with happiness and, and my priorities in life and, and, you know, getting them all straightened out and removing certain people from my life to better my own life. And I'm really just focused on, uh, my sanity. If I'm being honest, like I'm excited for, you want to talk about goals for this year? <laughs> my goal for this year has nothing to do with photography. My goal is to, to learn how to do a 360 and land on a grind rail on my skis. I'm, I got a, my one month booked out for, um, I got a lease out in um, Breckenridge. I'm staying through the month of January. I got my season passes for the whole U.S., both both major passes. And like, that's my, that is my uh, form of meditation is Good getting on ski, skis, bro. So I love skiing and I'm about to go hardcore this winter. Yeah, good for you. Where, where, where is the, where is this place? I'm sorry. I know I'm an East Coast guy, but I don't ski. No, yeah, you're good. You're good. I'm, uh, um, Breckenridge. Um, I'm, I'm staying out in Frisco. If anyone hears this and they're local to Frisco or stays out in Copper or Breckenridge, like I got an Icon Pass, I got an Epic Pass. Uh, I'm, 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on the move this winter. I, I got a one month lease. I'm staying out there, taking a trip to Big Sky for a week in February. Um, I got friends that I'm gonna be crashing on couches all through March. I'm gonna be I'm probably gonna drive my car out to Colorado for. Um, I'm, last year I did last year I did 25 days of skiing. And this year, I'm trying to double that. So good, man. Yeah, good for you. I mean, that's again, yeah. that's a good kind of ending point too. Before we do this outro, is like always trying to have that focus on yourself. You know, no matter what right. level, Balance. no matter what job, you gotta have it. So, um, right. you know, I'm pretty sure mostly everyone here is gonna be following you already. But you know, tell everyone where they can follow you, uh, or they can you know see your work. Um, shout out what you need to shout out here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Multimars, M-U-L-T-I-M-A-R-Z, and that's the Instagram handle, and it all branches from that, honestly. Um, the link is in the bio for my website. I should probably update that sooner than later, but it's got it's got a little portfolio on there and stuff like that, and ways to get a hold of me, email addresses. Uh, um, everything else is just, you know, I only got Twitter because I retweet my Instagrams. I only got... I don't even got Facebook. Um, uh, all I do is consume shit on TikTok. I don't post uh, all that kind of stuff. So really, I'll just if I'm doing it, it's going to be on the gram. So follow me there. Would you? Would you since you just brought up TikTok, you think you would ever get on TikTok or not? I posted like three videos. You can't. I mean, I. It's a whole beast. To, to you really got to invest in uh, creating that content when it comes to. Uh, uh, making the slideshows and I see like I see a lot of photographers doing like behind the scenes I think that's cool as hell I don't got time for it personally so I, I just haven't dove in I thought there's so many other lanes and I want to open up more lanes if you go to my TikTok I have three videos posted and it's me showing off sneakers in my collection I was like I haven't seen anyone do this I'm gonna see if this works uh, but it didn't work and hasn't worked, so I just consume videos on there. I think it's the best. I think it's the best app. I think it's the best social media for consumption. Like it, it, it does its job of hooking you in and showing you exactly what you want. And uh, unfortunately, like I said, I plugged my IG and I said that's where I saw that. And I think Instagram fucking sucks right now. I think it's. Yeah. I think Facebook ruined it. I think ads as. I think there's no more organic growth. Maybe if you get posted by someone with millions of followers and shouts you out on a regular basis, but organic growth is dead. It's all pay to play. Um, Facebook did that. It's all advertisements. So my advice to anyone is try to find out what's next because uh, that's how you blow up is what's next, not what's not. Hell yeah. Um, well, if there's nothing else that you got, uh, I got nothing else. So this was another episode of the Culture Captures Spotlight Podcast. Tune in again next week for another episode.